For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, before being saved, I grew up in the church, going to Sunday school regularly, uh, but I didn't really learn, uh, know what it meant to be a Christian. I accepted Christ when I was 13 years old, uh, December 2nd, 1992. It was a few days after my dad passed away from lung cancer. I remember my, before my dad was sick, uh, he, was also, he was always active with sports, especially tennis. He loved playing tennis. I remember my mom told me once that when she was pregnant with my brother, on the day she was going to labor, my dad was playing tennis. So someone else, a relative, had to take my mom to the hospital to have my brother. <laughs> so you can see how he was really into tennis. So when my brother and I were in elementary school, uh, he started to teach us how to play tennis. But he would only teach us how to hold the racket and swing the racket the whole time. We never even got to hit a ball. So every time we went out, we were just in the ready position, holding the racket, bring the racket back, and swing. And that's all we did. He never taught us how to serve or hit, even swing a backhand. So. When I play tennis now, I can only hit the forehead and I always stay on the left side of the court. <laughs> Anyways, then my dad became a little older, so he couldn't really play tennis that well. So he started playing golf. And again, uh, he would take us, to, take us out to the driving range and he would teach us how to swing. So that's all we did. We never got to hit a ball. We just swing the club. He would teach us how to chip or putt. All we did was swing at this imaginary ball. But later though, it got a little better. We were able to swing about 10 times, and then we got to hit one ball after 10 swings. <laughs> so, uh, I know he was trying to teach us fundamentals of the sport, but just as a kid, it kind of took all the fun out of it. But looking back, I really cherished those times I had with him. So my dad, he was a good father. He provided for us. He spent time with us after work. Uh, he didn't really go to church though. Um, but it was on his deathbed that he accepted Christ. Uh, he also saw an angel of God come to him that night. And a few days later, he went to be with the Lord. Since then, it's been quite a journey. I always remember, looking back, I was always looking for a father figure in my life. Uh, when I think I found somebody, uh, they would always leave me. They never stuck around me. I always felt abandoned again and again. I was told by my mom that uh, God is my Heavenly Father and that He will never leave me, and which is true to this day. So growing up without a father, it was just my mom, my brother, and I. Somehow we were able to survive on my mom's income help from, and also help from our relatives. Looking back, it was God who was providing for us the whole time. We went from living in a middle-class lifestyle, uh, a large two-story houses, swimming pools, backyards, to a small one-bedroom apartment for the three of us. During these years, I felt my family fell apart. We grew distant from each other, especially my brother and I. We were just brothers by blood, but did not really act like real brothers. I always wished we could be closer, but our relationship kept becoming more and more distant. So fast forward now to a few years ago, 
I was forced to deal with all these issues in my past, all the hurts and wounds, and all the things I kept buried inside. The abandonment of my father, my mom being manipulative and controlling over me, and always feeling guilty towards her. The distance between me and my brother, and all the sins I struggled with over and over again. But by this time, I, I was married for about five years. We were living a happy life. We were serving together at church faithfully, experiencing new things, going on vacation, traveling, and just enjoying married life without kids. Everything looked nice on the surface, but we both had issues in our past that we never dealt with that were affecting our marriage. So it was around this time we experienced our first miscarriage. Uh, I remember that Vivian took it very hard, much harder than me because she didn't want to have kids right away. So, uh, Vivian had a lot of struggles with uh, fears and anxiety. She especially had the fear of physical pain that she might have to go through as she had a child. So we prayed, we let, let our control go and gave it, gave it over to God and then we got pregnant. Then the miscarriage threw us for a loop. We blamed God initially for us having a miscarriage. We thought we gave this area up to God in faith, and then He should automatically bless us. But when this, when this did not happen, we turned away from God. We became confused and very angry. We stopped going to church regularly. We started not to pray as much, not to read the Bible, and it took a toll on our spiritual lives. As stated in Hebrews 10, 23-25, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So not going to church to worship and to fellowship with our brothers and sisters who are dealing with this alone, we still blame God and went to a time of uh, spiritual darkness. This opened up the door to the events that followed. This is where the spiritual rug was literally pulled from under us and our eyes were opened to see the reality of God and His love. A few weeks later, I had to give a best man speech at a wedding. I was very nervous and anxious about public speaking, so I wasn't able to get that much sleep. Then there was an after party, we stayed up late, and I had to wake up early the next day, so I drank a lot of coffee that day, that, and that kept me up the whole night again. And for the next following few days, I wasn't able to sleep at all, and then my mind started racing faster and faster with all kinds of thoughts, and it just kept going. As the sleep deprivation, as I was keep, uh, having sleep deprivation, uh, my, my body finally just quit on me. I collapsed and fainted at work. I went to the ER, but they didn't find anything wrong. So they sent me home, but I still didn't feel like myself. Uh, that night, my brother also came over, along with Pastor Young and Christy. So we were all just talking, and then I became very angry and wanted to kick everyone out of my house. I started talking very fast, my mind was racing. I was voraciously eating everything in sight, even more than the way I usually eat, then I lost control of my body and my mind. This is where the passage about the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18, which we've been going through the past few weeks, became so real, especially the verse, uh, verse 12. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the powers of this dark world against, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My mind and my body became oppressed by a demon. Its name was Reaping. It was angry and kept spewing out lies out of its mouth. It kept telling me that everyone was there, who was there, including Vivian, will abandon me and quit on me. They would abandon me like my father had abandoned me. But it said it would stay with me and never abandon me. It kept going on and on with angry threats, curses, lies, and deceptions. And at that time I was thinking, is this really happening to me? No way, it's, it's just a dream. Uh, but no, it was, I was awake, fully aware of what was going on. And how do I know this was a demon, not just a hallucination or a figment of my imagination? Well, I remember clearly that it was not my voice coming out of my mouth. And I was not on any drugs or medication. And also, interestingly, I bowed down and cowered every time the name of Jesus was spoken. The legion itself would bow down in respect and reverence when I was referring to the Lord Jesus. Hmm. The even crazier and most amazing part to me, I believe, was that Jesus was actually present in my apartment during the whole time this was going on. I knew this because legion would point to Jesus and acknowledge his presence with fear and trembling. Just like in James 2.19, we believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So, after about 11 to 12 hours, the Holy, the power, with the power of the Holy Spirit, Legion was bound up and powerless and finally driven out. I was finally able to take control of my body again. I stood up and stepped on this evil spirit who called itself Legion. Then I saw this little creature on the side of my foot, all bound up and struggling. I thought to myself, is this what it, this really looked like? This small little powerless thing, and it finally faded away. Jesus gave us the victory over this unclean spirit, but the battle was far from over. I learned later the reason the demon had so much power over me was all the garbage I had in my heart from all the unresolved issues and sins in my past, along with the current spiritual state of not being in regular fellowship and worship with God. A few moments later, though, I fell into a trance-like state where I was still fully aware of my surroundings, but I was seeing this vision. I was being taken up to heaven. When I reached heaven, I saw a mop and a bucket, and they had feet, and I walked towards me. I realized my job was to wash all the floors in heaven. I was really happy and excited about that. Why? Because I thought I was really in heaven. <laughs> then I saw my house. I looked really big from far away, and then when I came closer, I could only fit my head in there. <laughs> then I saw a man who looked like Jesus approaching me. Then all of a sudden, he turned away and ran, and ran away. I started to cry and felt abandoned by Jesus, but this wasn't really Jesus. Then I came to another place with large cathedral-like buildings, with thrones on top and what looked like beautiful kings and queens sitting on the thrones. Then I took a closer look and they had masks on and then underneath their faces were just wasting away. So I knew this wasn't heaven. I wasn't in heaven, but where was I? Then I looked up and I saw a, a shining a bright gold crown. Then I saw Jesus on the cross. In that moment, uh, it was a moment when Jesus has actually given up his spirit and his head dropped down. So I saw this uh, from all different angles from the side, from the top, from the bottom of Jesus dying. 
So I felt like I was actually there and that I was an eyewitness of the death of Jesus. But after that, I just felt this peace and calming presence and a light that was just next to me. I believe it was the presence of God. I felt that peace and I, then I was finally able to sleep. So when I woke up, it wasn't over. Further spiritual battles ensued with other unclean spirits until they were driven out. I was then taken to my brother's place and on the car right there I saw angels surrounding the car. They were fighting off the demonic forces trying to get at us. I was finally able to rest a little bit more in my brother's place, but I was still not in the normal state of mind. The issues I had with my brother and my mom in the past had came out and I never realized I had so much anger and bitterness towards them. I just kept it all inside and I never realized and it just finally came out. So at that time I actually slapped my brother in the face and I told him to turn the other cheek. And he didn't do anything though, so I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> uh, a little bit later, uh, another smaller demon came out and took control of my body and started heckling my mom. My mom stood firm and knew it wasn't me talking to her. I remember uh, gave my mom a warning that it was going to really attack her with a knife. But she had the shield of faith and she literally blocked the demon's attack. So I lunged at her and she blocked me. Then she took out the sword of spirit and it clashed with the demon's knife. So literally it was a spiritual sword fight. <laughs> After a few clashes, my mom with the sword of the spirit knocked down the little demon and it flew across to the other side of the room. So I literally, my body flew across to the other side of the room. My mom was visibly shaken and I thought to myself, did this really happen? <laughs> and yes it did. And remembering the verse, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual evil forces. And remembering that my mom was really uh, ready with the full armor of God and she took her stand at the time. So there are many other stories and events that followed afterwards, but for time's sake, I want to skip ahead to the part where all these things get resolved. I was finally back in full control of my body and my mind, but by then, Vivian and I were separated. She was living with her aunt and uncle and I was at my apartment and with my brother. So we went through some inner healing counseling at the same place, both uh, individually and then finally we're doing it together. I finally worked through the issues I had with my families, my deep-rooted sins, and all the other garbage I buried inside my heart. I had to go back to those past events, I had to remember what I felt, then I pictured Jesus there with me. He took away those pains, the hurts, the wounds, and the sins, and took it on himself and died on the cross for me and my sins. Mm -hmm. I felt truly free after going through this inner healing. Jesus, there, Jesus was there with me the whole time, and he never left me, and he will never leave me. God is always faithful. So through this experience, even though my earthly father passed away while I was at a very young age, my heavenly father was always there for me. I've learned that my brother does really love me, and he really showed that by taking time off for months to take care of me when I couldn't take care of myself. He was there for me, so we got to spend some quality time together, we just hung out and we're just being brothers. 
I became better also at setting boundaries with my mom. I was loving her and honoring her by not feeling guilty or sorry for her and not feeding into the dysfunctional relationship I had with being her emotional husband. I had to put my family first, which was at the time just Vivian and I. God also healed Vivian from her past sins and issues, and she became less fearful and anxious. We both went through the fire, where all those things seemed all meaningless, and the only thing we had was God, and the only thing we clung to was God. And for the first time, God knew, or Vivian knew, that God would take care of her even though I'm not there. She had a fear before that if I passed away, she couldn't go on living. But she knew through this experience that she could and that God was going to be there for her. So she knew that I, she wasn't going to rely on me anymore and that she would rely on God first. So he is our first love and he wants us to put him first above anything and anyone. So I was finally free from all the hurts and the wounds in the past. I learned how to deal with these similar issues that I might face in the future. I was a new creation as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old has gone and the new has come. So uh, there's a lot of stories, more stories, but I just want to end with this, what I wrote down. It was a simple prayer request I wrote in my journal. It was during my lowest and darkest time where everything was just really chaotic. I was losing hope. I was thinking that things would never be the same and I thought I was never going to see Vivian again. I wrote this. So the story ends with selling a Vivian buying a house with a big backyard, a barbecue, a dog, Enjoying life to the fullest, kids, uh, family gatherings, and uh, just enjoying life. Amen. So it seemed like uh, I would never uh, have this kind of life um, that I asked God for. But God did answer that prayer. Uh, he is always faithful. He is my faithful father. Uh, so, just kind of summarizing, going back to verse, the verse in Romans 8, uh, 38-39. So, what can separate us from the love of God? Uh, nothing. Uh, demons, angels, powers, heights, death. Death, life, or anything else in all creation. Again, nothing. So I'm reminded how that's how great, how far, how wide, how high, how wide, and how deep is the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So uh, thank you for listening. Um, I just want to close this time with a prayer. Uh, let's pray.
Lord God, we thank you for this time. I'm reminded again myself of how great your love is. How your love goes beyond what we have ever experienced in our lives. Our love is so much greater and deeper than we ever thought and ever think. And as I'm reminded, Lord, that uh, you love me and that you love us all here, that that love will just uh, cover all the things that are uh, binding us, that are hindering us, that are ailing us, Lord. And I'm reminded that your love is the one that will conquer all, that even death will not be in the way of your love, that we will have eternal life, we will be with you, that you have prepared a room for all of us in your house, and that you have prepared a feast, Lord. And that we're not deserving of all of this, and we don't deserve uh, just uh, what we have even now, Lord, but you, you sacrificed your son to die for us, to give us this hope, to give us this life. And we praise you, God, Lord, that uh, you're always faithful, Lord. Uh, you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. We will be with you forever, God. And we want to worship you even more for that and lift all, all of our prayers up to you, Lord. And we just want to continue to worship you today just through uh, just praise, through prayer, through offering, and just encouraging each other and fellowshipping together, Lord. So again, we all the glory and praise to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.